hey beautiful people and welcome to world domination i'm your host monica ferguson and you are in the perfect place to level up here i cover all things personal development mindset healing spirituality and manifesting your most abundant and impactful life all done with a massive dose of real talk and an open book policy because who is time for superficial chit chat thank you for being here Thank you for choosing you, and thank you for showing up when it would be way easier to watch Netflix. Let's get into it. Oh, and don't forget to connect with me over on Instagram at Ferguson. Hey, hey, beautiful people, and welcome to this week's episode of World Domination. My guest this week is Sandy Cowell, who is a nutritionist and health coach. She holds a Bachelor of Science majoring in Health Sciences and is certified in Comprehensive Nutrition, Nutrition Supplement Sciences and Health Coaching with a particular interest in Type 2 Diabetes. She's also a certified personal trainer and the author of The Forgiving Fork and Living Well, Eating Well, Getting Healthy Without Losing Your Mind, which is linked in the description if you're curious to see more. And she's currently running a private health practice based in Washington, D.C. And her proudest achievement, obviously, is that I am her daughter. (laughs) So this is an awesome podcast I got to create with my mum, who's just a fountain of wisdom in all things food and nutrition and body and mind. And I can't wait for you guys to hear this. And I can't wait to hear the aha moments. So let's get into it. It gives you a lot of um, oxytocin, you know, if you're going to talk about brain chemicals. Um, doing something nice for yourself, is this, giving someone a compliment or hugging somebody, all of those sorts of things, give you a little brain squirt of something that makes you feel happy. So <laughs> I think that's good. Yeah. Brain squirt. I'm going to borrow a that. A brain squirt. <laughs> a, squirt <laughs> a squirt. A squirt of stuff in your brain. Yeah. Yes. Oh. I love that. Um, And so I'm definitely going to already start our podcast from this because this is hilarious. So let's just dive Uh right in, shall we? Um, While I I was waiting for Zoom to connect, I created a bunch of puns, which I thought would, you know, set the tone for this conversation, obviously, as you do. Mm. Um, Yeah. Obviously, the first one that I text you already around, you know, making this easy to digest is key. And then I thought, I already feel the weight of this conversation. And then I was like, I hope it's not corny. So yeah, (laughs) the pride, the pride just beaming (laughs) off you right now. I know. know. Oh my gosh. Well, let's hope we can get some spice into this conversation. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. See, the apple doesn't fall far. Oh, we're on a run. Not at all. I know. (laughs) Okay. Yay. Well, hello and welcome. Thank you. This podcast, You're indeed, which is great. Yeah, I am. This podcast has been highly, highly requested. Highly oh. requested. I've had a lot of messages mm-hmm. about it um, because everyone deals with the shit, right? And no one talks about it because there's all the yeah. shame and stuff involved, which is why mm-hmm. I know that you are the perfect person because you make this scientific and shame free. And um, it just, it's like cause plus effect, right? It's not that we're a failure as a person. So, there are so many things for us to cover um where should we even start well I think if from my perspective that like when I've been in my own practice when I meet a client 
invariably one of the first things they say is, oh my God, I'm a food addict. I'm hopeless. I'm useless. I'm, you know, a lost cause. And I don't even know if you're going to be able to fix this. Um, Mm -hmm. And like the first thing I say to them is that if you talk to me the way you talk about yourself, I wouldn't even sit next to you on the bus. And I think that's one of the um, really important things is that the way people talk about themselves is awful. And, you know, there are a whole lot of reasons for why people have got into trouble with their health and their weight. Um, And the majority of those reasons are nothing to do with them. Um, And yet there is this whole culture of shame around um, women's weight in particular, um, it's, you know, there's this sort of an implication that it's their fault, um, that they're lazy, that they must like it somehow and all of, you know, and we know that's not true. Um, and that's the first thing that I always address with people because the number one uh, problem that people have is that they think it's their own fault. And the studies that have been done over the past 50 years at at the very minimum, probably 60, 70, 80, have been essentially flawed all the way along. And that's widely acknowledged because nutrition is um, very difficult to study because you can't lock someone in a room for 10 years and observe what they do and and do the exact same thing with, you know, 100 other people or 1,000 other people. It's just not possible. And so there's so many variables. It's really difficult for a nutrition study to come out with an absolute result. Um, And so whoever's doing the study may have a bias and they may have a result they want to get out, uh, particularly if they've got a sponsor who sells a particular food, uh, like Coca-Cola, for example, um, or, you know, um, that they, you know, any other company that can make money out of a study, you know, they, if they're going to give you money to study something, you can know that they expect the results to kind of go their way really so to get back to the point um the low fat thing was complete garbage and that's been debunked thoroughly um harvard um nutrition school has completely trashed that there have been many 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 um studies that have gone over and over and over those results and it's it's a lie so and yet we've all grown up for decades thinking oh my god you know we've just got to eat you know rice cakes and um you know low (laughs) fat everything um and you know what so now I'm not losing weight and actually I'm gaining weight and now I've got type 2 diabetes and something is wrong with me because obviously I've got this wrong and that is the wrong part it's not personal it's that the information is wrong so that's kind of the first thing you've got to tackle mm. is that it's not your fault. Um, and then once you know that, then you look at how the body works, um, ha- how people respond to foods, how they respond emotionally, because that is a big component. Um, but everybody's different. You've got to figure out what sort of body type they are, what suits them the best. There are a few things, obviously, that we know suit pretty much everybody. Like nobody benefits from eating or drinking 
you know, three litres of sugary, fizzy anything a day or whatever it happens to be. Like nobody's going to benefit from that. But, you know, some people might do very well on dairy and other people don't and things like that. So, you know, there's, there's room for movement and there is no absolute, but there are some general principles that, you know, if you eat really highly processed food um, and lots and lots of sugary, highly refined sugary food, it's probably not going to go too well for you. Like the, the, the benefits of avoiding those things come out better. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So this is one of the things I love about our chats is that you do not have a one size fits all approach, which is so bizarre when you think about the fact that like, I mean, I've grown up in diet culture. We all have, right. But it's that Mm -hmm. message Mm -hmm. of this works and this doesn't, and you have to conform and all those things that I tried, um for so many yeah. different reasons don't work because they weren't actually good for my body like every time I've gone vegetarian or vegan I've wanted to kill myself um literally yeah. like massive anxiety yeah. attacks and just plummeting mental health mm-hmm. but then the moment that I started eating the plan that I'm on now um <laughs> mental health yeah. be glorious you know? <laughs> yeah but you know I mean I've got to chip into this because you know as your mother you know it wasn't until I was in my mid 40s that this all came together for me as well and the reason for that is that I went to university and studied health sciences and got some qualifications in specifically in human nutrition and it wasn't until I got the physiology aspect uh, that it all fell into place because you can get rid of the clutter and you just break it down to science anatomy and physiology are at the basis of everything and so you know you know this yourself I mean I went vegan and I did all of those things as well but it wasn't until I knew the science and I knew how the body works you can't argue with that like there's no yes but anything it's just like this is how it works this is how your liver works and this is how it's going to process this thing and once you know that, you can't trick yourself anymore. Yeah. And it's very powerful tool. Mm. Yes, it is. I, as you I, know. Yeah, and this is so interesting as well because the same, it wasn't, for, uh, it wasn't so much physiology, I guess, for me. It was the mindset stuff, though. When I understood mm. the role of, you know, pain and trauma and all that emotional stuff and how that was impacting why I chose mm. to act a certain way or why I would... I could get off 10 kgs and then all of a sudden I'd sabotage and put it all back on and some over, over, Mm -hmm. over and over again. That was the thing when I understood that it wasn't my fault. And I love that. This is the name of this podcast. It's not your fault. It was just your fault. It's just, and from the mindset point of view, just my subconscious trying to protect me and keep me safe from perceived danger. That's all it was. Um, And so when you understand that, and I think this is such a good time. Can you talk to emotional eating? Because this is the one thing yes. that I've had so many messages about. Because everyone thinks yeah. it, but everyone's too afraid to admit it. <laughs> yeah. So we all have a strong drive to self-soothe. Um, and that's physically fueled. And it's also psychologically fueled. And it's instinctual to try and decrease stress or relieve an anxiety or relieve fear or relieve anger. Um, and for women especially, squishing your anger down is a really big thing because we're all raised Mm. to be nice polite ladies who don't say too much um and so that's all got to go somewhere and 
you know, food is used as the reward in our society. You know, oh, it's your birthday. Have a piece of cake. Oh, you're feeling sad. Let me give you a piece of cake. You know, let me have a, give you a biscuit. Let's have a sweet drink, you know, something like that. And so, you know, we're trained as very young children that if something doesn't feel good, uh, food can, food's being used as a tool to make you feel better. And it's like, you're trained like, oh, you feel bad? Eat this thing. Now, don't you feel better? But you don't necessarily, but you're somehow telling yourself you do because somebody, you know, your grandmother or whoever it was gave you the ginger nut and said, don't you feel better now? Um, And you're too polite to say, no, actually, I still feel like crap, you know. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) or your mother. It may have been also your mother who gave it to you. Love she didn't know better then. <laughs> but anyway, but that's modeling. That's let's older people in your life have modeled to you that food will fix whatever is making you feel bad. Instead of saying, why don't you go outside and like shout as loud as you can and you know beat the crap out of a ball or do something physical with that? Just oh, let's sit quietly and eat something sugary. Anyway, so we are now trained in that way. So as adults. We continue with that. So we go on with superficial, uh, immediate, and potentially self-harming ways of coping with everything. And when you do it over long periods of time, it becomes hardwired. You know, that's just what you do. And you don't even think about it anymore. Um, So, you know, afterwards then, of course, you feel disappointed with yourself. You feel mad. You feel uncomfortable often. Uh, really sleepy or really tired or just feeling horrible, um, depending on what you've soothed yourself with. Um, But you have to know you can overcome it because it is just a habit. And again, it's knowing the science behind the mechanics behind why it's happened to you. And you can unlearn that and you can learn new ways to soothe yourself. I mean, we all need ways to soothe ourselves. You, for example, have learned that kicking and hitting things <laughs> soothes you. Boxing you know, bags, people, I mean, not other people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if only you had hit and kicked more things when you were a baby, you know, or when you were a little girl, you know, when you were mad at things. But that's the thing. It's no coincidence that your health has improved dramatically and your attitude to food has improved out of this world once you've found another outlet for all of that stuff yeah Um, and you know victoria is just the most amazing person in the world for getting you to you know encouraging you to hit things really hard um and but that's you you see you're retraining you're retraining yourself so it's an alternative behavior to eating the cake and that's that's what it is and it's also once you've hit the thing or kicked the thing you feel really good. Whereas when you eat the cake to soothe yourself, you feel bad. You know, so there's this sort of really nice, once you find something that makes you feel better and you use it to soothe yourself and you get the feedback that, oh, I feel so much better now. It's this lovely increasing circle that's going to, you know, lead you away from doing really sad and lonely things to yourself. Because lonely is a huge part of emotional eating as well. Um, because nobody does it in front of anybody because my god yeah it's too shameful we've all done that i mean yeah. does it you know movies maybe we might go in the, we're in a room with full of people but we're in the dark nobody's watching us shovel anything um but that's yeah. 
that's the other aspect of it. And, you know, you can self-soothe by kicking and hitting things in front of other people and you feel great and it's sociable and, you know, all of those things. So yeah. it feels like a really big job, but we, it's really important to find something that feels really good that doesn't involve shoving something in your face, which is something that somebody taught you to do. So yeah. you, can, you can unlearn that. Yes. And I guess there's a lot of guilt as well, isn't there? Especially that kind of belief of, um, oh, there are children starving in Africa. You have to finish everything on your plate. So there's kind uh, of all yeah. that bullshit attached. But yeah. it's like massive aha moment in what you just said around women yeah. using food to shove down this people-pleasing tendency. Because yeah. one thing I noticed when I was photographing uh, thousands of people, this one thing that every, mm -hmm. every single woman had in common was that I always had to ask them to put their shoulders down. So real, like mm -hmm. a lot of stress in our shoulders and our back. And that was yeah. the single thing that I noticed when I started boxing, that I had no stress in my shoulders anymore and my, in my neck, because oh. I'm literally smashing it out. Like I'm literally releasing it out yeah. of my body. That is so yeah. interesting. That whole people pleasing, yeah. being agreeable, yeah. being nice, putting everyone else first and how we actually yes. use food to shove down our instinct to tell people where to go. <laughs> which sometimes yeah. needs to happen <laughs> yeah well it's true you know and girls especially you know don't don't make a fuss don't be a naughty don't you know don't make a scene let's be nice and mm. um you know just swallow all of that whatever it is you've got in there and you know it, it doesn't go away it, it's mm. we, women are furious and I, I and I've often thought that a binge is really just a tantrum, but it's directed inwards. You know, like it's a tantrum with a fork, basically. You know, it's like, I'm so angry right now. I'll just eat all this stuff and I'll, you know, that'll teach them. And it does, of course, it doesn't teach them anything. But so there's a communication aspect that is really important that, you know, this is why really living well is a very holistic um, enterprise because it can't, it's not just about the food. And Weight is not just about the food. Weight is the physical embodiment of all the crap that you never said to people. You know, um, it, it, it's important to learn how to get that out in whatever way is appropriate. I mean, obviously, you don't want to go and punch grandma in the face, you know. But, <laughs> um, but you know, ways, learning ways to communicate. And that may be just seeing a counsellor and just finding healthy ways to just get all of that out and get it off your chest once and for all and leave it behind. And I think that's, you know, a really good counsellor can help find ways to leave things in the past where they belong. You don't have to carry it with you. Once you've, once you know it, you can leave it. Um, and people typically find that the weight shifts as well. Once they've got whatever it is off their chest, off their chest. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. This is so interesting. So just thinking too about New Zealand culture and our inability to feel emotion or express anything and how we just shove things down, how this is actually, mm -hmm. this has actually just been one of the ways that we've done that. It is. Shove it down um, inwards. <laughs> yes. Pack it in, pack it in. Um, the other, the other aspect of that, of course, is that if people are eating poorly at the same time, they're trying to pack their emotions in you know, there's a craving element that comes into that, which, you know, usually can be fixed. Um, it usually indicates some sort of um, 
if you crave something really specific, there's usually a nutritional deficiency somewhere that you can fix by actually eating more of something else. So it's, again, you can fix the thing not by like uh, depriving yourself. It's just rebalancing everything. So, you know, saying what you think, saying what you feel, but also, you know, one of the big problems um, lots of people have that I find when they first come in is that um, they, if the, particularly if they crave sugar, um, is that they're not eating enough protein. Um, and typically, once we rebalance just that one element, just adding a little bit of extra protein every day, typically that helps to take care of those sugary cravings. Um, so when you do start to get into that emotional stuff, you're less likely to run for sugar as well. Um, so again, it's like, I think we talked about this the other day, it's like if you're building a tent with a whole lot of poles, you know, all of these elements have to be taken care of, you have to be eating right, you have to be sleeping well, you have to be taking care of whatever emotional garbage is going on, um, you know, you have to be physical, you have to drink lots of water and all of these things, and if one tent pole falls down, the tent will kind of hold itself up, as long as you're kind of taking care of the whole, the tent as a whole, with every pole, you know, being an aspect if you get that that metaphor, <laughs> yes. um, you know, once in a while, if one of your tent poles falls down, you're, you know, you're still okay in the tent as long as you can prop it up again. Um, but if, if you're only focusing on food, it's going to fall because one pole does not hold up a whole tent. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, if that makes sense. But so, that you does. know, there are a whole lot of, um, yeah, like if there's really specific weird things you're craving, Typically, that means you're going to um, be missing something. And like you said to me the other day, you suddenly had this insane craving for Marmite. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that's the sort of thing. And so Marmite's a really good source of um, B vitamins. And since you have just sort of embarked on a whole lot of new and, you know, good things, but quite stressful things, um, that's not surprising because B complex is a really good uh, vitamin that supports you you know, your emotional well-being and ability to handle stress. So it's not a surprise that you mm. um, suddenly started craving mama. There you go. Um, there's lots of those I can tell you about if you want me to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm wobbling all over the place. So No, this is, yeah. this, it, it makes absolute yeah. sense. And I know, yeah, everything you're saying, especially, you know, applying this to my own life. Um, yes. Like there, I mean, how long has it been? Probably 10 weeks or so since I've eaten sugar. Um, and there have probably been two instances where I wanted to eat it and it was always yep. something emotional, but this is where mm -hmm. I geek out. You geek out on this stuff. I geek out on the mindset stuff because yeah. it's that self-awareness. And I think, you know, when we talk about self-love and that sort of thing, it's very easy to, to make it look fluffy and like bubble bubs and stuff. But actually the greatest mm. act of self-love in a moment like that is to sit with yourself and actually hold yourself, you know, in a space of self-awareness. Like what is actually going on right now? Like, oh, I actually feel like mm -hmm. trash and that trigger, yeah. I feel alone. So all of a sudden, yeah. all my programming is like, go get some chocolate. <laughs> go get That's some right. chocolate right yeah. now. And I'm like, oh God, yeah. I know it's just my head. It's just my emotion. But if I didn't yeah. have that mindset stuff, I wouldn't be able to work through that in a way that was actually healthy. And it would be so easy to yeah. go and binge out on chocolate and then feel like crap and then feel like I'd failed and yeah. then just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, um, a few years ago, um, I ran some seminars on emotional eating. Um, <clears throat> I was working in a medical practice in California and 
they I ended up running some of their seminars for them and it was a really you know sort of a tricky class because everybody who came to that class thought they were the only person in the world who ever did any emotional eating and um, they were terribly ashamed of themselves and it was like oh my god you know there's a, like 20 other people here how is this possible and we did the most we did some really fun sounds weird that you can say this was a fun uh, seminar but actually it was we 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 had I had people write down on bits of paper like the worst thing they ever did and then we just put it all in a hat and you know mixed them all up and you know people started reading was we ended up reading other people's notes and and um you know someone would say I pulled the thing out of the kitchen rubbish bin and finished it off and everyone was like oh yeah I've done that yeah I've done that <laughs> and people were you know like I threw the chocolate away and then I went and got it again and I I went to the McDonald's drive-thru and I bought two meals and I had to buy two drinks so that they knew it, so they didn't know it was for one person and everyone's like oh yeah, yeah I know that trick and it was like there was nothing in that class that anybody shared that wasn't also common to somebody else in that class so these are very very common things but one of the things that we kind of ironed out over time was that every single time anybody had done any kind of binge eating, emotional eating, they had been alone. They never, ever, ever did it when they were in a room with anybody else. And so as one of the tools to use, if you think you're going to, you know, if you think you can feel it coming, quickly, quickly get into a space with somebody else. And I know that's not easy in COVID times and everything else, but get on camera, get on the phone, do something, you know, that means that other people can see you um, because nobody ever does this stuff when somebody's watching. And we're awfully good at being sneaky about it. We're geniuses. Um, yeah. <laughs> we are. So I want to tell you one funny thing that came up in this class. We had a conversation. Somebody said, oh, um, my mother-in-law brought a box of chocolates to the house or something like that. And I think that's what it was. And she said, I don't know how to get rid of them because my mother-in-law gave them to me. It seems such a waste to throw them away. And what shall I do? And so this whole group of women um, started giving suggestions about what to do. And somebody said, put it in the cat litter box, you know, drop all the chocolate in the cat's litter box. And everyone's like, well, you know, if it was clean cat's litter, maybe it wouldn't be too bad you could probably wash it off you know I mean, it was like it was pretty bad and you know someone said put it in the boot of your car and go and donate it to somebody but then you know somebody else brought up well if you know it's in the boot of the car you're going to go and get it sooner or later so you know that's no good in the end I think we all agree that you put it in the sink you squirt dishwashing liquid all over it and then just leave it you know just like destroy or kill it with fire. If you'd had a blowtorch, it would have been fine. <laughs> you know, it was like, you it, but the thing that I loved about that was that it was a real team effort. In the end, people were just hysterical. It was so funny because, oh my God, I'm not the only one. And people, the shame just lifted off everybody because they thought they were the most disgusting person in the world. And, you know, nobody could equal that. And here they were, this group of women, all women, by the way, um, just sharing common experiences and it, it was just the most enlightening um group that I ever had it was just so fun so you know it's not a thing to be ashamed of it's a product of a whole lot of outside influences 
but it is also a product of, of our society's uh, prejudice. And, you know, we all blame ourselves for everything. And uh, we feel shameful because we're not perfect. And that's just wrong. So, yeah. Mm. There you go. I keep thinking about Miranda on Sex in the City and that cake because she chucked it in the bin, didn't she? In the end, she put dishwashing yeah. liquid on it. Um, that's right. She did. Yeah, yeah. She made yeah. a whole cake and then she was yeah, yeah. couldn't stop herself from eating it. <laughs> and there were there were a few episodes where she sort of started doing that, right? And then, you know, finally I think the last straw is where she pulled it out of the bin and realized, my God. But I think everybody's done that. Yeah. Um, you know, but we would never tell anybody. But the thing is, you're if you're alone, get in the room with somebody else because that's kind of um you know, nobody does it in front of anybody else. Um, so you're kind of delaying as well. You know, you're putting it off while you're talking to other people and hopefully it'll go away because it's just an impulse at the time. You know, it comes and goes in waves and if you can sort of delay, but also as you've done, find something else to soothe yourself with. And if it's a video game or if it's a walk outside, fresh air is often a really good idea. And if even if you say, well, okay, if I still want to have the binge, you know, I'll go for a 15-minute walk or even 10-minute walk. You know, I want to get some oxygen in my brain. And if I still want to do it and I come back, then I'll renegotiate with myself, you know. But typically, if you can distract yourself long enough, you know, you can hold off for another day. But you do have to address your overall nutrition and think, well, if I'm craving something, is there something I really need? Like, do I need, you know, a nice healthy dinner with lots of veggies and some nice chicken and, you know, whatever. Um, that's the thing, yeah. another thing that will trigger that. So it's emotional and physical at the same time. Yes. <clears throat> yes. And I think um, the biggest thing for me anyway has been – learning how to feel my feelings um yes. and getting very uncomfortable very comfortable with the uncomfortable feelings which i think we are just not taught how yeah. to do and i feel like no. even in society as a whole so if you feel sad something's wrong if you feel bad something's wrong here take an antidepressant go and have a drink mm -hmm. lots of people yeah. i suppose even if it's not yourself food, yeah they come home from work and they yeah. drink two glasses of wine it's five o'clock somewhere You're like i have to have a drink yeah, after yeah, yeah. work um, but it's that, but then that's just become a part of our culture, isn't it? Like, I am amazed the amount of people that drink every day after work. I'm like, and it's not a judgment. I'm just like, huh, I never even thought of that. But then I had my own yeah. strategies that I used to avoid feeling yeah. my feelings, which was food in my case. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. But just how hardwired yeah. that is into our culture. It's wild. Because nobody wants to feel uncomfortable, of course, because that's a, you know, <laughs> it's driven by nature. If something's uncomfortable, you want to run away from it yeah. or avoid feeling it. But um, if it's, it's disassociation, you know, you, you don't want to feel whatever that is. Um, and so anything that will numb that is, is what everybody's going to go for. And, you know, it's amazing when, when you can face whatever it is that's really at the heart of what's bothering you, usually once you've slain the dragon, this, the dragon goes away. You know, it's not usually a thing that keeps coming back and back and back, unless it's like loneliness or things like that. But, you know, you can address those things, hmm. um, you know, and as you've learned, again, to go back to the hitting and kicking things, <laughs> um, you know, that's, that's a, numbs you. <laughs> 
and you know that I mean that really does help you because you're 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 feeling your fear and punching it in the face basically yeah you know um so yeah the sub substances and food in general are great numbing tools which don't do you any favors in the end and just make you feel worse so yeah but very powerful very alluring Oh yeah, and easy yeah. and pain free. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and quick. Available. Quite so quick. Yes. Yeah. 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 But the numbing only lasts for a really short time, you know, because if you overeat sugar, my God, you don't feel great afterwards. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm. That's and that's one of the things. So with kicking and punching things, like yeah, yes. it's it's good to <laughs> release stuff, right? Maybe I should call this podcast kicking and punching. Um yes. But like, yes, that feels good. But the thing is that nine times out of 10, I don't walk into that gym feeling stressed out. It's just like, it's like a preemptive thing. So I, I boost all my happy chemicals first. So I, then I don't have those dips and those drops as such because I've got all these yeah. happy vibes, 7.30 in the morning. Swimming around your brain. Mm. Yeah. And you just feel mm. different in your body. Like I feel more powerful. Yeah. Whereas that version mm. of me that would use food did not feel like that. She felt very fragile, no. like a victim. Um, but so when you're Powerless. in the energy of, yeah, like that warrior energy, like food's not going to mm -hmm. take me down. And then you just feel happier. Then you don't want to do that thing anyway. Yeah. It's interesting. So there, <laughs> so there are lots of other little things. You know, I was talking about brain squirts of um, oxytocin. <laughs> mm hmm which is a love chemical, right? You know, you can get that a million different ways in a day. Like you can play with the dog or give somebody a compliment is a really weird thing, but it makes you feel really happy when you, you know, when you tell someone who's not expecting it, that they're wearing something nice or, you know, like, wow, your skin looks really nice today. Whatever it happens to be, you see people light up and you're like, oh, I have the power to make somebody feel better. Wow, go me. You know, it's my, it's, it's my superpower. But then, you know, there are other squirts, there are other chemicals you can squirt, like dopamine, which is often what we get from things we're addicted to, um, you know, like sugar. But if you set yourself a task and finish it, sounds weird, but it gives you a squirt of dopamine. And that task could merely be, I'm going to drink a glass of water before eight o'clock in the morning, you know, but it's like one thing you can tick off your list for the, you know, actually, if everything else goes wrong, I did the thing I said, and that gives you, that's a brain squirt. That's a happy brain squirt. Um, <laughs> some sort of, um, um, there are things like running. Not everybody wants to run. Um, taking a walk pretty much everybody can get outside um, and that is if you breathe deeply when you get outside you are flooding your brain with oxygen which is just going to enliven you and you know the Japanese um, have a concept they call forest bathing and I'm sorry I don't know the Japanese word for it but it's been scientifically proven that if you go and walk under trees your serotonin levels like amazingly you you cannot feel bad after you've been walking around trees um yeah. don't ask me why but you know the japanese you know they do it because it's a thing you know well let's go forest bathing everybody you know it doesn't we don't have to take our clothes off but you know it's just it's a thing <laughs> it's like, optional. Make, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, depends on who you're with but you know it's not 
like in New Zealand, I mean, you know, there are trees, there are trees available to you to make you feel better. And it sounds weird, but, you know, I defy anybody to walk for five minutes in, in, in a forest or in under trees and not feel better. Yeah. Um, you know, getting outside seems to be a really big thing. Um, and again, with COVID and isolation and everything else, it's been brutal. Um, but, you know, we know now that it's safe to get outside. So, you know, we need to do all of that. And, you know, to go along with that, then there's endorphins, which are a bit more powerful, but again, squirty brain chemicals. Endorphins come in um, after laughing really hard, um, watching comedy on TV or listening to music that you really, 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 really like, you know, that takes you back to your glory years or whatever it happens to be um exercising will also do it for you punching and kicking obviously for me walking briskly um and <laughs> you need to but the only thing about that is it takes a few minutes to get rolling so you know you can the first five or ten minutes might not feel great but there comes a point where you're like oh this is good you know I'm glad I came today and did this thing and that's you know you know you've had your happy brain squirt of endorphins so you know <laughs> but none of those things involve food and none of them involve electronics either I hope you notice mm. um you know and yeah so you know but none of that involves oh like eat, make a nice meal no don't do that go and hold hands with somebody or hug somebody for 10 seconds or you know play with a dog say something nice you know lots of other things can make you feel better if you think about it you know so when, when the emotional eating thing comes in, which is a learned behavior, like if my mother hadn't given me a biscuit when I was crying, what would have made me feel better instead? Maybe yeah. it would have been a hug, you know? Maybe it would have been a walk outside or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so many aha moments. So that, that <laughs> walk, the walk that I do when I'm not boxing and it's up a hill yes. and it's through, it's like a forest, like a jungle. And mm. I, it was so ridiculous that the ideas, because I always think I'm going to zone out, zen out, you know, meditate as I walk kind of thing. That does not yeah. happen. My brain goes nuts every time. I get all these ideas. Mm -hmm. I had to put a journal in my car because when I get back to my car, I have to write down all these ideas. My brain yes. is just crazy. And it, but it's not the walking. As you know, I hate long walks. I think they're boring. But uh, yes. this, this walk, it's because it's in trees. It's surrounded by, it's wrapped around in trees. Whereas our walk that yeah. we did, there are no trees and it's just boring. But I think it's also, well, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it's short and sharp though. But it, so it makes me yeah. sweat. That's what I like. Mm -hmm. That does it for so me. You're get, so you're <laughs> getting the endorphins from the exercise, but you're also getting a lot of oxygen. Um, definitely you're getting the trees. Um, but, you know, you're, you're rinsing your brain with oxygen. And that, of course, stimulates everything. Um, it's a clean out. You're sweeping your brain out. Um, and so, you know, lots of people find that they get really creative when they're doing some sort of physical activity that kind of elevates their heart rate and makes them sweat a little bit. Um, that's a good yeah. thing. And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be running, you know. You can just Ugh. walk. And I mean, I've done, the, I've done this myself and I know I've told you that, you know, I've had brilliant ideas while I've been out walking in the city and I've had to record them on my phone and I look very very busy and important walking around the city talking into my phone as if I'm you know really important but I'm not but you know it's just like oh my god I have to get this down otherwise I'll forget um so you know creativity definitely comes into that and problem solving you know you don't have to be 
actively thinking about things, but it, everything just seems to open up when you get outside. So, yeah. And again, that doesn't involve food. So it's a, a really happy feeling that doesn't involve feeding yourself something crappy. Yeah. 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 Love that. So I keep having this yeah. quote, um, this Carl Jung quote pop into my head the last week. I've recited this about 20 times. Um, and it's that thing about making uncon- the unconscious conscious, which seems to be at the core of all of this. If we're numbing mm-hmm. out, we're unconscious. It's like a, we're just on autopilot, like, oh, yeah, I feel like trash. So I'm going to have a glass of wine. That's just what I do. Yeah. But when we break that cycle and say, oh, why am I choosing to have this? Like, oh, shit. Now I can yeah. choose something different. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. And I think the key to that is if somebody takes your glass of wine away and you're not happy about it, you know you're leaning on that glass of wine. Like, why can't I just say no to a glass of wine today? That there's there's a reason for that. You know, if there's something that you can't live without, chances are it's working hard to cover something up. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. So you know, I've never heard anybody say, "Don't take my lettuce away." You know, <laughs> don't take away my scrambled eggs. I will die. <laughs> You know, (laughs) but it's true though, right? I mean, it's the things like, it's the wine and the sugar. It's really, you know, wine and sugar are the things that that really get people. Don't take away my donut because I don't know what I might do. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So it's a problem. Yeah. If you can't live without it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So So you're right. And off you go. Go on. <laughs> oh, no, I was just going to say, you're right about, you know, being in the moment when you observe if I change something about my situation or my routine and it makes me really anxious. And, you know, that's, as you say, you know, sit with your journal and say, why do I feel like this? What am I worried about um, yeah. without my glass of wine? Like it sounds, it sounds so nice to say that and I don't want to give anyone the impression that it's easy because it's not like it, there's oh. a reason why we avoid this shit because it hurts it hurts a lot um mm-hmm. and there's a saying that has helped me face a lot of my stuff over the years um which is overthinking is underfeeling. so whenever mm-hmm. I find myself in my head or obsessing about something or trying to control something or trying to yeah use something to feel better I always ask mm-hmm. myself what is underneath this like what am I trying to avoid right now yeah, and our subconscious yeah. mind will always throw it up. It always knows straight away. It'll say loneliness nine times out of ten for yeah. me. I feel alone. Yeah, or I feel sad, or I feel mm-hmm. scared. Scared is one that's mm-hmm. been coming up lately as well. Because yeah. especially that's the visibility thing. As you release yeah. your armor, and all of a sudden you're more exposed, which means you're putting yes. yourself out there more without that protective layer. Your brain is like, oh yeah. shit, <laughs> don't like this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's quite true and it's that getting to the stem of something you know if you think of a problem like a plant and you've got to get down to the roots of it you know you say well I'm uncomfortable right now and you say why am I uncomfortable and you like you could say well I'm scared but then you have to say why are you scared and you know I'm scared because somebody might see me why are you scared somebody might see you I don't want to keep going deeper for you because this is a public forum, but you know, why, why am I afraid of that? (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, why, why are you afraid somebody might see you? Is that because somebody might not like what they see? 
you know, or is it because somebody might like it too much or, you know, and you just have to keep saying why, 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 until eventually you get to that, whatever it is. Yeah. That, you know, and yet when you get to whatever it is, you don't die of it. Once you figure out what that thing was, you yeah. don't die. You're like, <laughs> God damn. <laughs> that thing. And now I don't have my cake. So, you know, <laughs> I have to feel everything. Yeah. And that is such a good point. And because I know every single person that I've worked with, whether it be photography or coaching or whatever, and myself, mm. nine times out of 10, that core thing is I don't feel good enough. So if of someone course. saw me, it's because I, I'm afraid that I'm not good enough. But then, mm-hmm. like you say, once you feel it, then you stop being triggered by that. And your life becomes so much easier when you're not running from the sphere of not being good enough. Well, if you think you're not good enough, it's because somebody's told you that or you've come to believe that. And so there's still a why there, you know, why do you, why do you think that, you know, and sometimes it comes down to somebody was mean to you when you were six, you know, things start in the weirdest way you know um but you do have to confront it and slay that dragon and if for you that means punching and kicking things while you think about that or talk to somebody who can help you leave it in the past and make that you know if it's a thing that somebody said to you when you were six that's Mm. a long time ago now and nobody's saying that to you now but you know, there's a sort of a, it's important to be able to leave things behind because you can't change what some stupid person said to you who, who didn't know any better themselves, you know, and people say mean things because they feel badly about themselves and they, you know, they reflect out what they feel about themselves and it gets very convoluted and complicated. But why should you carry around the thing that was triggered by some dumb person saying something stupid? Yeah. You know, like how sensible, what, and what planet does that make any sense? Yeah, if, exactly. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's that unconsciousness so. to conscious though. That's, and that's why yeah. I love journaling. Journaling is how I solve my problems. Mm. Boxing makes mm-hmm. me feel good and it, you know, it just makes me feel good and mm-hmm. strong and powerful. But journaling is where I make these connections because you can be yeah. so present with your subconscious and just actually, you know, where did this belief come from? And there'll be something that will mm. pop into your head. Yeah, some teacher yeah. at school said something stupid and then you took it on as yeah. a belief, which then you carried through. You're like, oh, shit, I don't need, I let that go now. That's not even true. <laughs> no, exactly. And, you know, it could be that the stupid teacher at school was having a bad day themselves and, you know, just tossed it out there without realising that it was such a powerful moment for somebody else. And that's what we all have to be aware of when we deal with other people all the time is to not toss things out that don't mean anything because you never know how it's going to land. And, you you know, I think we would all hate to ruin somebody's life by an offhand comment. Yes, for sure. mm. Okay, but yes, you're right. I've got so many more questions and we've already felt it like 45 minutes. We're going to have to do a part two, but I have two. One thing in particular, which is a little bit controversial. Let's do it. Which is, what are your thoughts on this idea of all things in moderation? You know, lots of people hold on to that. 
Um, I think that works for a subset of the population. Um, yeah. That does not work for all of the people all of the time. It might work for all of the people some of the time. It might work for some of the people some of the time. Uh, so in other words, the answer to that is how long is a piece of string? Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> um, you know, barring we're, we're living in a world now where we don't only eat whole foods. We eat uh, highly processed food, food that has no nutritional value whatsoever, but it does trigger an avalanche of really quite destructive processes in the body, like being addicting, like crowding out the good stuff, like you might fill up on a whole bunch of crap, salty crap that has no value but then you're full and so you don't eat what you need in terms of the proteins and the vegetables and the fruits and the vitamins and minerals so that you eventually end up with malnutrition because you've overdone the crap that's just filling but has nothing in it that you can use um so people have uh well like i've heard the phrase used um diabetes and i've also heard the phrase used um diseases of affluence and i like that a lot because um often it, it's if you go back to great granny's day you know it was pretty boring in the food department really i mean they you know they had a vegetable garden they made their own bread and stuff they you know just had meat off the I don't know, off the farm or whatever it happened to be, it wasn't very exciting at all. It wasn't the vast array we have now. And everybody's not going out for breakfast all the time. You know, people ate eggs and, you know, very basic sort of things that were they often made from scratch themselves. Um, there just wasn't the variety. And so those sorts of foods typically don't... Uh, impact people as as dramatically as the higher yeah like what the hell is a chisel honestly what is it <laughs> you know I don't even know what it is you know it's, it's got nothing um it's just crunchy air I think but it's got a whole bunch of stuff in it and and so you can't live on that but if you have a health condition that predisposes you to being hypersensitive to something like sugar. And, and in this day and age, this highly advanced, um, uh, highly processed diet that so many people eat now um, has, has led to, uh, as I think we all know, a huge number of people suffering from metabolic syndrome, which is you know, a collection of illnesses which can lead to type 2 diabetes, it can lead to heart disease, it can lead to you know, cancers and all that sort of thing. Um, anybody who's got a predisposition to type 2 diabetes, uh, moderate amounts of um, you know, jam or you know, bread or rice or things like that that's just putting the fire out with more petrol, you know, because high blood sugar levels are literally what it means to have type 2 diabetes. So anytime you eat anything that's going to increase your blood sugar, that's not a good idea, even if it's a moderate amount. It's yeah. just not, it, you know, 
But for people who don't have type 2 with diabetes, if they're eating a well-rounded diet with plenty of you know, fiber and plenty of protein and plenty of good fats and all the rest of it, and their blood sugar never rises above that threshold where it's unhealthy, then sure, moderate amount is fine. Mm. Um, so again, this comes back to everybody is a fingerprint. And so when you're figuring out what you need to eat, it's really helpful to get with somebody. If you want to plan, you have to get with somebody who knows what they're talking about and they and get them to individually work it out for you. Um, because if you just listen to the somebody on Instagram who eats 27 bananas every day, um, <laughs> that's not necessarily going to turn out well for you yeah. in the long run. Yeah. You might be okay for a week or two. Mm. Yeah. So does that answer your question? It it's does, a long yes. answer to it. <laughs> no, yeah. it's good. Thank you. Um, so, okay, let's just quickly finish up on one last question, which is the hu- the biggest question that I've saved for two minutes slot. So just solve everyone's problems okay. now, will you? Um, <laughs> I'm not going to ask you what should we be eating, but what would you yeah. say to someone now if they're wanting to start, you know, improving their health? What are some of the things they can do right now? Given that you know nothing um, about their indiv- individual body type or anything. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the first thing um, that you can do right now is add in a lot more veggies. Like add in like a big serving of something green every day in addition to whatever else you're eating like before I start like you know prying your you know <laughs> your cheese cookies <laughs> out of your cold out of your cold dead hands um <laughs> I would say before you take them away add in the stuff you need um make sure you know, you're getting protein with every meal of the day. And that could be an egg or it could be a piece of cheese or it could be some meat from last night or could be if you're vegetarian, there's still plenty of options. It could be some tofu. I mean, New Zealand does like the best halloumi in the world, (laughs) maybe apart from Greece. But, you know, like there are really good um, vegetarian options protein is the key to everything so before you take your chisels out of your dead cold fingers <laughs> add in protein and get some vegetables in um, the other thing you can do is make yourself a promise that you're going to drink a big glass of water before eight o'clock in the morning you know again add in like so what you drink three cups of coffee a day that's not as much of a problem as being dehydrated so drink 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 water as much as you can um, and so I haven't taken anything away at this point, but those things, eating enough, eating protein at every meal, eating a good serving of vegetables, green if, if possible, every day. And it could be broccoli. It could be Monica's favorite cabbage, which, you know, is, <laughs> is, but it's cheap and cheerful and you can make coleslaw and, you know, other things that Monica hates cabbage and I make it for all the time, but it is cheap <laughs> and cheerful. Um you know, shred it up and saute it in a little bit of oil or butter or something. It's delicious and it's good for you. And this is a thing you want. You want. We want to add some nutrition before we start even addressing the body type, what your health, particular health issues are. And um, when you say, what should someone be eating? I mean, do they want to, are they overweight? Are they ill? Do they have underlying health conditions? Mm. Nobody can address that without meeting them. Yeah. Um, but the principle, drink water, eat vegetables, make sure you get your protein. Those are really good things that anybody can do today. Uh, 
on top of whatever else you want to do. And I mean, if you want to give away your chisels, give away your chisels, you know, and take a walk maybe. But those things are extra, you know, water, protein, veggies. How about that? Boom. Boom. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I would love to hear your key takeaways and aha moments from this episode. And I just want to remind you that you can do amazing things. You're incredible. And if no one else today has told you they believe in you, I do. Only a certain kind of person listens to a podcast like this. The best one. Go get him.